I'm Taffer. And I'm Bailey. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club and you're invited. Yeah! Before we get started with the next uh, book in our Witchtober series, we want to take the time to acknowledge that the studio where we record is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not ours and that we engage in conversations that challenge colonial mindsets. Uh, We encourage you to take some time today as every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and the indigenous communities of that area. Currently in Canada, uh, there's some, there's like, I don't even know like what to start with, but the biggest thing happening right now is that there are, there is a um, lots of violence being done to Mi'kmaq fishers, lobster fishers in Cape Breton by white settler fisher people. It's really awful. Mm -hmm. The RCMP is doing nothing about it. The RCMP, for those of you who are not in Canada, is the Mounties. Uh, But when it comes down to it, they're cops. (laughs) And, like, specifically, uh, the the same way that the the police in the States originated out of, like, runaway slave patrols, um, the RCMP originated sort of to basically to oppress the indigenous population is my understanding of the history of that organization. I didn't know that, but that does not surprise me even a little bit, uh, given that... I don't have, like, a fact <laughs> source, but I'm, like, 80% I mean, confident that that's the case. For, like, I'm, I'm, like, hesitating on even to say if it's for a significant portion of history instead of just forever, as long as there has been a nation of Canada, its, like, main purpose has been to... Um, oppress and render invisible the indigenous people of the area because if you pay attention to the fact that there are indigenous people in Canada, you know that uh, we have no business <laughs> being here and especially making laws. Like I say being mm-hmm. here a lot, but what, what I really mean by that because a lo- most of the indigenous people were very welcoming to uh, immigrants here <laughs> um, as, as we all were, but There's a big difference between, okay, I'm going to live here now and I will, like, respect your society and abide by your rules and going, I live here now and now you have to abide by my society and I make the rules. Mm -hmm. And my rules are that I don't want you to be here or profit in any way from the land that you have inhabited forever. It's a very different attitude. And that really is the attitude that is happening um, with settler fishermen in Cape Breton. It's that, as I understand it, as all over Canada, I think this is also true in the United States, indigenous people are exempt from certain regulations of hunting and fishing uh, Mm -hmm. to respect the fact that indigenous people are not the ones destroying the land through hunting and fishing, as evidenced by the Mm -hmm. fact that we did not have massive environmental crisis in North America before Europeans showed up. And 
the the fishermen in Cape Breton are very angry that the indigenous uh, fishers do not have to abide by the same quotas. Um, and their response to this is lots and lots and lots of violence against people, against their livelihood. And, you know, don't be that person. And don't let your family be that person. And, and don't vote for those people. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just acknowledging that, that if things were just and right, we wouldn't be saying you know, indigenous people and settlers, because the indigenous people would be the people of this land. Obviously, we wouldn't have to make a distinction, you know. Take some time, research your own region. There are some great resources that you can use if you don't know the uh, the traditional land that you live on, the nation that you actually live in. Find that out. Do some research. Maybe get plugged into a reparations group. There's a lot of those on Facebook. Um, obviously this is for if you are not indigenous Um, yes (laughs) and uh, yeah let's just let's just be let's just be good people I was trying to think of like a thing to say but like let's just be some fucking good people okay (laughs) yeah and I think I think there's the important aspect of that though of being it's not enough to just passively think that all of this is wrong but we need to be committing ourselves to to doing things about it. So something that I know that I haven't really done yet, but I'm I'm making a personal and public commitment right now to to in the next couple of days find out who I can who I can send anger letters to, who I can who I can donate to about the situation that's going on in the Maritimes right now or about something else that's happening closer to you. There are guaranteed ways that you can be helping more (laughs) like Mm -hmm. always so that said I I think it's important that we don't um just make the acknowledgement just a rote part of our show and 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 that we highlight that it's something active it's a symbol of an active commitment we all need to be making that's exactly it. It's like I don't want to fall into just going, we acknowledge, I looked up the pronunciation of this word and therefore I'm a good ally. Like, you know, that's mm-hmm. just the, the, that's like, I don't know, that's like hitting somebody and then going, I acknowledge that I hit you. And then like not helping them, you know, not helping them go to the hospital to repair their broken nose or something, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like exactly. leaving, it's like leaving a note on a car you hit, but not leaving your number. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> this week we're continuing our Witchtober series, which has been a very fun series, at least for me. I think I'm the actually the only person who's gotten to read all of the books and have the kind of witchiness series, and I've been really enjoying it. This week we're talking about kind of, and this is something. That I've said a couple of times that I really appreciate we're reading three books this month because next week we're just going to talk about witches. Um, and they're all different. They've all been really different angles on witchcraft and different looks at witchcraft. This one is These Witches Don't Burn by Isabel Sterling, which is a contemporary witch book. Mm. So I guess contemporary, but I, I would say it's not even fantasy. I don't really know what you call this because I wouldn't call it magical realism necessarily. Um, no, it's 
It's sort of fantasy, but it's it's very interesting in that it's a fantasy that has a whole mythology around it, and it has world building, but it's also set in the contemporary modern world. Yeah. Um. It's it's very it's very interesting what's what's happening with that. I mean, I guess I'm ta- I'm saying that as though it's like some amazing new thing, but I guess Harry Potter did that as well, just with like. Mm-hmm. But the worlds were more parallel. This is a very yeah. integrated magic system. Yeah, Harry Potter did that in that it was there were also witches living along, like in our modern world, living alongside um, non-magic, regular humans. But but yeah, the difference is this one is the witches are just integrated into society. Yeah, and have they have their own stuff? But it's it's very cool. It's very interesting. So synopsis of this book. Hannah is a witch who lives in Salem, Massachusetts, which is uh, exciting for me because we love a New England witch. Um, (laughs) She's an elemental witch, so that's another thing we have in common. Uh, And she she can control the four elements, is what that means, earth, air, fire, and water. I'm clarifying that because in the Bone Witch, we had an elemental system that was based on the six-element system, so this is based on the four-element system. Oh. Um, and she is gay. Everybody's gay. It's really fun that way. Uh, she just broke up with her girlfriend, who was like her first very potent girlfriend that she made her come out and all of that. But she is, she's getting over that. She also has a crush on a new girl. And on top of all of that, somebody seems to be hunting her. So... The series is that, I mean, the the sort of, like, plot driving thing is who is this person who is, who is chasing me and trying to kill me, basically. And I really like it. And I want to read mm-hmm. all of them. Like, part of me was thinking, I was like, can we just, like, not do our episode next week and I can just read the rest of these? But I might just have to read for pleasure. <laughs> I I really want to read. I have not read any of the subsequent ones. Is the third one out? I thought that only the second one was out, but maybe the uh, third one is out. The third one is slated to come out in 2020. Oh, okay. At, at any so rate, so is. if it's not out, it, it will be out very soon. So this one is These Witches Won't Burn. The next one is um, This Coven Won't Break. And the third one is, I was just looking at this. Uh, this spell can't last and mm. yeah it came out in april okay mm-hmm. i think i'm confused because this coven, no, this, this coven this won't coven break came out is, in that's may the second one. okay this spell can't last is the prequel to these witches don't burn which is really cool it's short it's a oh. novella which is really cool because as I went through These Witches Don't Burn, I actually looked several times to figure out if I was uh, wrong and this was the second book in the series. Because, which I actually, I, I think that is a strength of the book, that it really starts in media res. It's very much like the action mm-hmm. is happening and you're kind of collecting bits of the story from the past. And I love it when authors do that because to me that's, that really mirrors the way life works. Like when you talk to people, when you meet people, you're constantly kind of trying to catch up with their story and also moving forward. And I, I love that in a book. Mm-hmm. So Okay, so yes, yeah, so This Coven Won't Break came out this spring. So no, the third 
part of the series is not out yet, but I think it is confirmed that it's happening. Okay, cool. That makes that makes sense. That's interesting that there's a prequel. I'm excited. I'm going to buy all Wait. of these books. I need to stop buying books, but I'm not going to. These ones are very fun. And I do also really like that. Like, I... I do not like exposition in a book. Like, I do not like when it's, like, clearly I'm just trying to dump information on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that this book does not really do that. It's very organic in the way that you find things out, which is cool. Um, it's also, I mean, it's a mystery. And it, like, unfolds. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a paranormal mystery. That's what it's called. Paranormal is what it's called when you have <laughs> magical elements. God, I've been studying mm. studying books for my entire life, and I lose words all the time. So, Yes. Uh, I want to, before we really dive in, and oh boy, I love this book mm-hmm. and I have lots to say. Um, the cover Yay. art, now I was reading the paperback, um, and the cover art is so pretty. Is it the one with like the cards on it? Yeah, it has like a tarot spread, but with the characters. So it it's has. It's cool. And, and, um, and then it also has like, it's like on a purple altar cloth and it has like herbs and crystals around it. Which is just like, I feel like everybody's leaning into this aesthetic this fall. I love it. It's beautiful. It's cozy. It's magic. I was going to say, I would love to talk about the world first, which we've talked about a little bit. But I I think the world is really cool that she's constructed. Mm -hmm. And I like it. Yes, I think absolutely. I I want to, before we like really get into even the world stuff, I just want to say that the style of this book, I love it is the okay. style of just like a young adult romance. That's how it reads. It's light. It's it's easy to get into. The dialogue is really snappy and good. And that was fun after reading a fantasy book and then kind of a dark fantasy book, both of which were like the writing is very much of the style. It was really fun to get back into the kind of contemporary YA romance uh, genre that is my personal favorite, as anybody who listens to the show regularly knows. And I like that. But yeah, let's get mm-hmm. into the world the and the magic. You're, I mean, I'm assuming you mean the magic system as well and not just Salem, Massachusetts, which is super cute. <laughs> I haven't been there in ages. Yeah, I mean the magic system. Like, so, so this book exists in this, the, there, there's this whole mythology around there's three different clans of witches and they come from these three sister goddesses and they have sort of their internal structure and organization and they have a council. The other thing that I really like, um, and I feel like you will also, I assume that you also really liked this Tepper is I really like that it's, it's in this world where like magic is real and like there are witches but that also acknowledges that, like, wicked magic is also real. It's just not as powerful as the stuff that these people can do. And I think that's really cool how it's, like, a fantasy book about witches that isn't saying, oh, but, you know, these kinds of magic that people have been practicing for centuries and centuries, that's just, like, baloney. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really cool how, like, it acknowledges that, like, wicked magic is also real. It's neat. I really appreciate that too. I think we we often see in books about magic, uh, someone will make a scathing remark of like, "Oh, that's stuff that like that that non magic people pass for magic, where they, you know, make cards disappear and like consult crystals. That's not real magic." And there is a real respect for pagan magic. I think the the like. The one tiny quibble I had with it, which is really just my own 
quibble because I'm a historical annoying person, quibbler, <laughs> um, is that Wicca is a very recent uh, belief system. Wicca is from like the mm. 1960s and oh. pagan belief systems obviously go back much further than that. But just I get I get tiny little like when people equate Wicca with like pagan magic because Wicca is a religion with like a, a system and that draws heavily on pagan tradition. But pagan tradition obviously is like global worldwide um and also i think i mean by by the way this world works i think absolutely would also be considered the real magic mm -hmm. um, yeah oh that's interesting i didn't i didn't super know that that's cool i'm gonna talk about it a lot next week <laughs> very okay, excited <laughs> but yeah it's just it's a really cool sort of it it's a well fleshed out mythology that also like you were saying you sort of learn gradually which is neat yeah. Um, now there's in this system, there's the mother goddess and the three sister goddesses and each sister goddess um, created a clan of witches. So there are elemental witches, which Hannah is, caster witches who are mm -hmm. uh, perform their magic through casting spells and blood witches who are at the beginning of the book. Anyhow, we don't know a lot about their kind of scary and dark uh, because they draw their power from blood and it's much more like body-based magic. And I'm really excited to learn more about blood witches because I think we're going to learn more about blood witches in later books. I think we are and I'm very, I'm I'm really looking forward to that too. And caster witches, I, I have a feeling we're also going to learn more about them. And I'm excited for both of those things. One thing I appreciate in this book is that because we're seeing everything through Hannah's limited perspective, um, you definitely get the sense of like, so elemental witches are the best witches because they're more powerful than caster witches and they're not bad and evil like blood witches. And mm -hmm. and then kind of as the book proceeds and you learn more about the complexity of the magic system, that value system kind of starts to disappear uh, and I always love that in a book. I always love that when we're kind of set up with a, this is how the world is. And then as it proceeds, you kind of realize like, oh, right. The narrator of this book is a teenager and has a teenager's limited view of the scope of this universe. And you kind of get to go through that voyage of discovery with the protagonist. I love that. No, I also really appreciate that about this book. I can't help but in my mind compare it to Harry Potter and think about how much of a better job it does. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, in Harry Potter, you have these, these four separate groups that get set up and one of them is evil. And um, it's just allowed to be unproblematically a quarter of the people are just evil throughout the whole series. Whereas, I mean, at the beginning of this book, we're very set up. There's a group of witches who are inherently evil. Uh, and then we get that we get that complicated a lot for us, which is really cool. Um, and I really, I really love, I really love that in this book. Yeah, by the end of the book, and I mean, these, the, this is a fairly recent release, and I'm going to be a little careful about spoilers because it is a mystery and it's fairly recent. And mm -hmm. you know, it came out in 2019. I don't necessarily want to spoil the ending, um, but by the yeah. end of the book, I went, wow. I just went on such a journey about who the antagonist here is and what the threats in this world are and where the danger really comes from. 
And I always appreciate that. It's a very, like, I did not see the ending coming at all. Um, which is, like, somewhat rare for me, I think, in, like, a young adult mystery-esque novel. Like, I feel like I can often pick up what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did not see, like, any of the twists coming in this book. I'm very proud of myself because I saw most, not all, but most of the twists coming. Um, okay. But not in a bad way. Not in a this is obvious mm. way. Just in a I actually watch a lot of mysteries. <laughs> Um, And I'm kind of familiar with the format at this point kind of way. So there's like when it's the funniest thing. But when you like consume tons of mysteries, I guess people who consume a lot of mysteries do know this. I'm very new to them. I just watch Elementary constantly because Lucy Liu and Johnny Lee Miller, I would join that throuple um, Mm. gladly. Elementary is perfect Um. it's a perfect show it's a perfect show (laughs) but because I'm very involved in that right now I definitely have my little brain on where I'm like this person arrived at this point in the story and hasn't encountered this person who would know therefore (laughs) and I do my little math and I have my little you know board um but it's not it's not obvious it is. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I questioned myself multiple times throughout the unfolding of the story and definitely had hypotheses that I got wrong. It's a well-written mystery. It is. And I mean, we mentioned this briefly, but there's also just casual queers casually existing all the heck over the place, which delights me. I love the casual queers casually existing. I love that not only is Hannah gay and I get that she's a butch also which i appreciate i think there's Mm -hmm. not enough butch representation not only is hannah gay and then her her ex-girlfriend obviously is gay but then the girl she dates in the book is bi and we have kind of a thing where she's accidentally biphobic sort of passively biphobic and has to like apologize Mm -hmm. for that make that up we have a trans character we have a we have a trans guy which is like Mm-hmm. not that common like there aren't I, I want to see more trans mask representation and I really appreciated that um, and, and a trans guy who's just casually trans like it's basically it is mentioned once and it's just part of his character yeah. but it's not yeah it's great yeah it's great. and it's not a big mystery like I, I think mm-hmm. one of the things I really really appreciate in young adult let us and young adult media in general right now is that we're seeing more and more casual queerness and something I super appreciate about the trans character in this book is that he he volunteers that he is trans right at the beginning of their interaction as just no big deal this is who I am I mean to explain a little tension in his past but he's totally comfortable being out as a trans man and I really like that Mm -hmm. and I like that that reflects Um, the way culture is changing youth culture is changing it is becoming safer and safer to be out Uh, and that was just a nice little like a nice little flame of hope there that was a nice thing because often in books trans Mm -hmm. characters if they're not the main character you just meet them and it's like and there was always something kind of shady about this person like they were hiding a great secret and then they come out and it's like oh that was the great secret. And like sometimes that's an important narrative, but that doesn't have to be the only narrative. Yeah. There well, there's often a like weird like a clocking or something that yeah. happens and like that's how whereas yeah, I did 
I remember the first time reading it just being delighted by it. it's like yeah he's just he is casually trans and it is just something that he like he's getting to know her they're starting to sort of become friends become comfortable with each other and it's just it is a detail that he just volunteers yeah um and it's great I love I love that the other thing I really like is and there's like there's so much in this book that I like and I could spend like another hour dissecting every bit of it um I love Mm -hmm. that like how Hyatt raises the stakes very suddenly like there there's Mm -hmm. just a lot that I love but I love the romance a lot there's a romance storyline that's just wonderful there's people handling breakups well well hannah handles her breakup well it's all very (laughs) realistic from like thinking about teenagers um you have hannah like at the very beginning dealing with a breakup and just being like no our relationship is not healthy yes i still really care about Mm -hmm. you yes i've known you my whole life and i like that too that the book starts with the breakup of a relationship where they were like friends and knew each other forever and she's just like, no, this isn't this isn't good for me. This relationship isn't good for me. I mean, Hannah really is putting herself first um, throughout. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love, like, the hiking dates. I love the, mm-hmm. like, people apologizing when they're in the wrong and just, like, very quickly and thoroughly and adequately apologizing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's also just lots of, like, flutters and nice kisses it's- and stuff. <laughs> It's very sweet and good. I want to go back to the breakup, too, because I I really like, I feel like it's a fresh, like, there is a bit of a romance, like a teen romance novel trope of the the novel begins with the character either breaks up with somebody shortly after the novel begins or has just broken up with somebody as, as the novel begins. And I feel like the trope of that is usually that they have been dumped by someone shitty. Um... And I really like that the the narrative in this one is like, you know, that Hannah realized that Veronica was treating her really badly and she broke up with her. And so it's like still a like, it's like a lost, sad situation, but it's a like, she took the ownership and like realized that this was unhealthy, like you were saying. And yeah. I like that. And it's really, it's really interesting because one of the things her ex says throughout the beginning of the book is like, as soon as you acknowledge that you're responsible for the breakup, we can keep going. And Hannah's just like, I'm mm-hmm. not going to do that. I broke up with you. Like, yes, I initiated it, but it, it wasn't, it's not all on me. I didn't just do that in a break, in a vacuum. I was like, again, I don't want to give anything away. I was very happy with how that relationship resolved finally. Mm-hmm. I, I was yeah. very happy with where all the characters stood at the end of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, because there were a few times when I would be like, uh, oh no, I think the story might be going in this direction. And it really just ended mm-hmm. well. I also love, um, this isn't specifically romance, but I love that Hannah's best friend, Gemma, is not magic. And mm-hmm. that, that the coming out story in this book is the magic coming out story. Yes. Um... <laughs> Which Hannah is like, like, Gemma is not supposed to know that magic exists. And first of all, one of the things I love is that Hannah's best friend is non-magical. That's just a simple fact. And they've just been best friends with Hannah keeping her magic Mm -hmm. a secret. Um, And one of the kind of stakes of the book is Hannah knowing that if Gemma finds out, it will be very bad for her and for Gemma and trying to protect her. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but obviously that creates tension. I also really like one of the things that I like about the yeah the witchy coming out is that um, there's also I think this this sort of moment of Hannah realizing that a, a way that she has just been taught to think about the world is actually maybe a little bit problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, that she has to that she has to kind of like tease out, which is um, when she's explaining the magic system to Gemma. And reveals that how witches refer to non-magic people is regs. And Gemma gets a little bit like, doesn't like that. And it's, I think we have a little bit of a moment of Hannah being like, oh yeah, that's not a neutral word. Yeah. Um, And it's maybe a little bit of a condescending word. And yeah, Yeah, I think that's a, I like that that gets pointed out and and it's something that Hannah has to think about. Yeah, and Gemma hates it and, like, refuses to be referred to by it. Like, mm-hmm. when she is referred to as a reg, she's like, nope, don't like that. Don't call me that. Like, very, very confidently. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. There's also super healthy, like, family relationships. Yeah, it's just, there, there's just, there's just goodness. There's just goodness throughout we have adult mm-hmm. casual queers, which is also important. Um, I love the part where there's a lesbian couple in their coven and they're having a baby and Hannah kind of feels a pang because she remembers that like she and Veronica were going to talk to them about like having kids as a lesbian couple, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And that's such a cute moment, both in terms of uh, community offering teens things they maybe don't have in their in their nuclear family. Um mm-hmm. But also uh, that thing that happens in in teenage relationships where when you're together, you assume you're going to be together forever and you're planning for the mm-hmm. future. And yeah, that's cute. Like that was a cute nod. That's something that I think mm-hmm. by the time you're where we are, like <laughs> definitely established adults dating, whatever, we're so used to not thinking too far in the future because you want to like protect yourself and remembering that Mm. just kind of open-hearted approach to relationships is really nice and how real breakups are I mean breakups are real at any age but I think we sometimes because we as adults now have the default that teenage relationships aren't necessarily going to last we maybe have this idea that they're not as serious the breakups where where we see really it's like they thought it was going to be forever and that's that's a big loss the other thing I want to say about grown-ups pivoting a little bit, I really also like that this book has a really great example of a non-parent adult figure who is very nurturing and supportive, um, which is really cool. That's Lauren, right? Yeah, so Hannah's boss. Yeah, um, I love just Lauren. a really, a really wonderful adult figure in the book. I have a crush on Lauren, even though she's straight. I really like her. I know she's straight. She's dating a man, but that doesn't mean she's straight. That's true. Maybe she's not. She is, after all, a Wiccan high priestess. Um, yeah, I think we could say. I I think we could easily say that Lauren is pan or bi. Or sure, sure. Oh, I bet she. I bet she's pan. I bet she's. <laughs> I said that so scathingly. I'm not actually <laughs> scathing. <laughs> I just feel like Wiccans are more likely to be pan than bi. Is that Fair. is that unfair stereotyping? I don't know. I don't know any. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I think we can I think we uh, can blame Lauren as queer if we sure, want to. Sure. Uh, uh, you know what this book made me sad about? 
It made me sad mm-hmm. that we don't have a local magic shop slash that I don't run a local magic shop. That's fair. I mean, I'm sure there is a magic shop in Montreal somewhere, but I'm sorry that you don't run it. There's because a sh- that yeah. would be very good for you. There's an esoteric shop over, like, not too far from where I live. Okay. Um, over by DeCary. But there, I feel like there, it has, it's, the vibes are off. I don't know. The vibes mm. of, it are, are, of it are off. I've never wanted to go into it. Um, and There's I'm allowed to... Like s- I'm allowed to say that because I'm talking about a magic shop, so. <laughs> yeah, there's not a sweet, cozy little place when run by, like, this warm, lovely Wiccan high priestess who will, like, tell you how to how to do magic and will read your tarot for you and just be lovely. Exactly. It's not cozy. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. If you know of a cozy magic shop in Montreal, let me know. Uh, especially if it's walking distance from my house, because I'm not going anywhere. I can't walk to. I like how this assumes that people know where you live, our listeners. That's true. I just assume. I always assume that our listeners are all just like my buds. I mean, many of our Montreal listeners probably know you in person. But, but... actually, the majority of our listeners are in the U.S., there's yeah, that. so they probably don't know about magic shops in Montreal, unfortunately. That's probably not. Well, I would also accept online magic mm. shops that have, especially, I'm just putting this out into the universe. I want to find a good source for ethically sourced crystals because I really need some crystals because my country kid ass doesn't understand how you can't just go out and pick up rocks. <sighs> and <laughs> buying rocks is really hard for me. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> and so far, I do have some, but all of my crystals have just come to me. But I want some good, like, black black tourmaline and obsidian and stuff so anyway you know what we haven't talked about that is a significant part of it i want to talk about the fact that the book is set in salem the fact that Mm. it's from salem there's that history and we haven't talked at all about witch hunters yet oh right yeah because the concept of the witch hunter is very prominent in this that's um Mm -hmm. one of the reasons that the witches are so eager to keep their magic secret is that there's sort of this mythical... So, okay, it, it's set in Salem. Hannah's family is from Salem. They're an old Salem witch family dating back to the Salem witch trials. And uh, the Salem witch trials in this book came from witch hunters knowing there were real witches in Salem and stirring up this, this panic uh, in which mostly non-witches died. And... They managed to drive the witch hunters out of Salem. There are no hunters in Salem. Um, or possibly, like, there are no, like, like hunters are not a threat and have not been for hundreds of years. But there's mm-hmm. kind of this, this vibe that at any point witch hunters could come back. Yeah. Because they were a very big danger in the past. And that, yeah, so there's a lot of really interesting, like, all the rules come out of that. And that reminds me of actually something that I did want to talk about but I've forgotten about is something that I think Hannah pushes back against. And I really want to see how this is explored in the later books is there is one of the, like, primary rules of the the witches is you don't interfere with regs. And so that means, like, not messing with them, but it also means not... If they're in danger, not using your magic to save them, etc. Um, and Hannah doesn't really agree with that. And I think I really want that to be explored further because I think it's really 
interesting and cool. Yes, I love her personal integrity. We see this the coming up a few times, but she has a very strong sense of her own integrity in terms of how she uses her magic and what she uses it for. And mm-hmm. she really, she has quite a lot of trouble ethically accepting that she cannot use her magic or she's not supposed to use her magic to save the lives of people if it if it would reveal her magic to them. And and late, I mean, we see it in, in other places through the books where she's supposed to do something or isn't supposed to do something. And she's just kind of like, this doesn't feel right. This isn't right. And yeah, actually, I think that will definitely be explored in the second book because I'm, I'm thinking of the sort of, how do I say this without spoiling it? There, there is a moment in the book when there is a big tragedy that Hannah um, could have stopped mm-hmm. and, and doesn't because she's following the rules. Um, or, you know, maybe could have stopped. Um, and I, I think mm-hmm. that's going to be explored uh, much more in the later books. And I'm really excited to see how that, how that uh, works out. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm really, oh, I can't wait. I'm literally probably going to start, if I can find a copy of it, reading, um, reading the next one, like, tonight. Me so. too, absolutely, 100%. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm deciding if I'm going to get it as an ebook or, you know, get a hard copy. Um, mm-hmm. although I'm having a bit of a bookshelf crisis. I'm gonna, I desperately need a second bookshelf, but I'm also, like, planning on moving in the spring, so I think I'm gonna wait. I purged my books in a big way, uh, although, mm-hmm. as Tom pointed out, I still have them all. I just have them in bags in the basement now. It's a step, okay? Well, I was going to do a book sale, and then COVID happened, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to do a book sale now. Mm-hmm. However, I still have two bookshelves, and they still have room, but they're in my office, which is also the guest room, so there's a bed, and there's not much space, and so, like, the bottom mm-hmm. shelves aren't really accessible, but the real problem is that Toby will get up on the bed and just pull all of my carefully mm. organized books off the shelves and just kind of throw That's them fair. and then he goes book book and then it's cute but then also it's a mess <sighs> well I was gonna say your office is also filled with birds so I don't know if there's room for any books <laughs> the the books the books and the birds share the room there's about as many the books have one wall and the birds have two walls I have I have my office walls covered in uh, pictures of birds of prey because I like my fluffy murder pillows. I I just love that it's 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 such a Tepper aesthetic. It's great. <laughs> I bought I bought that book. I had been looking. I love uh, love 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 like the illustration art. You know, like botanical mm. engravings and like uh, anatomical yeah. charts and stuff like that. The kind of that yeah. that vibe. I'm thrilled as I said last week with the cottage core aesthetic which is basically just my mm-hmm. aesthetic um yeah but I I was looking for books with like nice color plates in thrift mm-hmm. stores for ages and found this book full of uh these beautiful paintings from 1979 I think of birds of prey and mm-hmm. uh I've just had them like waiting for the right time and place and I was waiting for frames but they're like irregular sizes and shapes mm-hmm. so I finally just put them all up on the wall with washi tape they fall down but then I put them back That's up fair. yeah anyway it's nice <laughs> I like them they're good. and they're all they're in the background of all my zoom calls now so I just like sit oh, there, great. you know surrounded by my my familiars just in case mm-hmm. anybody gets sassy with me 
Um, <laughs> Curating a Zoom background is important. It uh, is. We're both Libras. Um, yep. It's very important. I'm still not like 100% with my Zoom background. I actually bought mm. myself a palm like a small palm tree at the beginning of the quarantine because I needed a nice Zoom background. So I have that nice. and I have my birds and I often have a baby in the background doing things, but <laughs> it's not perfect yet. We'll get there. We'll get there. Mm -hmm. That's fair. So this is a rousing, uh, rounding, rousing, we really like this book and we recommend that you read it. It's great. It's very fun. It's very, it's a good, it's set in the summer, but I think it's also a good spooky October book. Um, I got, I'd be feeling oh. the next one will be a really good spooky fall book too. Sorry, I continue. got genuinely so confused when they went for a hike and she was like, oh, it must be pretty when the leaves turn. Cause I was like, wait, this isn't in the fall. And then I thought about it and I was like, no, it's not in the fall. It feels like it's in the fall. Cause witches mm -hmm. are famously autumnal. Read it. And then and buy mm -hmm. it and read the next one. It's good. It's fun uh, yes. and engaging. And like, yeah, if you want some, uh, if you want some queer lit that feels good and that you can feel good about queer fantasy lit specifically, uh, these witches don't burn by Isabel Sterling. It's pretty damn good. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Thanks for listening to Yeah. If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at yapodcast and individually at tepperbear and at thebailsasaurus. If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, special messages, and more. Head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. Shout out to our patrons, Erica Stutchberry, Lizzie Tenhove, Kat McGuire, Catherine Reshi, Chantal Thomas, Matt Dever, Emily Patton, and Megan Jane. Thank you. We love you guys. We have merch. Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at Tee Public. You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, by subscribing on Spotify, by engaging with our social media posts, and by sharing this episode with a friend. Maybe a friend who was really kind of devastated when J.K. Rowling turned out she sucked and is looking for queer fantasy authors to support. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced by me, Tevra Jemian, and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. Bye! Bye! Dungeons, Dragons, Canada, the Multiverse Theory, Corgis, Queer Representation, Reconciliation, Angels, Demons, Squirrels, Moose, Moose and Squirrels, Sorcerers, Dinosaurs, Barbarians, Forests, Giants, Rogues, Warlocks, Plains, Sewers, Lavender, Natural Toonie, a Canadian Dungeons and Dragons podcast, right here on the Upford Network. If you're someone who interacts with kids, you're probably familiar with moments of being asked questions you're just not equipped to answer. Whether it's the old favorite, where do babies come from, or the nuances of discrimination, Rad Child Podcast has your back. 
Each episode, your host, Seth Day, leads a discussion about topics like race, disability, loss, gender, sexuality, and so much more. Our goal is to give grown-ups the tools to talk to kids about almost anything. So come give a listen. Rad Child Podcast, helping to raise a generation of open, compassionate, rad kids. Available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about anywhere else.